New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Dean Slider. He's the author of Natural Meditation, A Guide to Effortless Meditative Practice. Dean, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. As a meditation practitioner and teacher, why do you recommend that meditation be part of our lives? (laughs) <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just burst out into laughter. I, I, I just love it. You know, when you look at, uh, who was it, Long Chimpa says, when, you know, when you look at the universe, it's neither good nor bad and something like that. And so you might as well just burst out into laughter. I love it. Uh, you know, you just asked the most simple, most fundamental question, and I just felt completely stumped because... You can answer that from any angle. It's it's the whole thing. Meditation <laughs> is settling down into what we are, into who we are. In some of the traditional texts, they say it's like a turtle withdrawing its limbs into its shell. It's not going somewhere new. It's not creating some specialized state of mind. It's not finding some fragile quietness that you carry around on your head like a pot that's precariously balanced and is going to fall off at any moment. It's settling into what you are and who you are. And what and who you are is like the ocean that underlies all the waves of doing and experiencing and thinking and feeling. And if you're just tossing around on those waves without having your attention rooted in the ocean, then it's very unstable and it's very unsatisfying. You know, some of us have had that experience. If you're near the shoreline and the waves are pretty big and they're crashing in, they're breaking now, I'm not a surfer or anything, but one thing I know is that as the wave comes to you, if you just dive down a little bit, right. you're not going to get mixed up in all that crashing and embroiled in all of that. That's exactly right. People often think that meditation means flattening out all the waves, subduing all your mental turmoil, your emotional turmoil. That doesn't work. I can guarantee you, I've been at this for 40-something years. Every time I sit down to meditate, thoughts are there, sound is there. People ask, well, how do you make your mind a blank? I have no idea. And I don't think anyone else does either. But what I do know how to do is to, in the middle of all of it, just be not trying, not trying to accomplish something, not resisting what's there and not buying into what's there, just letting it be as it is. And in the course of just being, therefore exposing myself to gravity, the natural gravitation of the mind 
toward greater fulfillment, greater wholeness, which fortunately happens to be that ocean of beingness, which is what we are. And gravity takes over. It pulls you down below the surface of the waves into the ocean and you hang out. Okay. Then we settled down to something. And the word that came to me was stable. That's right. That's right. We're always looking for something stable. And the big mistake that human beings make over and over again is trying to find stability in that which is inherently unstable. You know, I'm living in Los Angeles these days, and I see a whole lot of women and some men walking around, and they've just had a little too much cosmetic surgery, and (laughs) after a while, it starts to look like a bad science experiment. (laughs) And, you know, with the idea that, okay, I can make the appearance of my face stable, the appearance of my face can be immune to time, and it can't, or that having this particular feeling. I know people, they keep going to the concerts of the same groups that for them evoked a particular moment back in 1968, and they keep trying to relive that moment. Well, that was then, this is now. Right. And I understand the impulse because we all want that stable thing. And what happens is when you find that stable thing within yourself, you're able to be more and more open to change, creativity, and what now is presenting to us. You have a beautiful story in your book of the musk deer. Can Uh, you tell that story? That's a very traditional teaching tale from India. One day, a little musk deer is walking through the forest with his mother. And he notices this beautiful aroma. It's the most celestial scent he has ever smelled. And so he starts looking for the source of it. He wanders away from his mother's side and he checks out the squirrel. No, it's not the squirrel. He checks out the bear. It's not the bear. He checks out the skunk. It's certainly not the skunk. Then he starts checking out the rocks and the streams and the trees and the bushes. Nothing turns out to be the source of that aroma. After a while, the musk deer comes to the edge of the forest, and he keeps going across the continent of India, looking, looking. He can't find the source. He swims across the oceans, explores all the continents. Years go by. Finally, one day he finds himself now really on the point of death, exhausted from his quest. And he's going through a forest, and he finds himself in a clearing that looks familiar. And he sees there's his now aged mother. And he tells her all about his quest. And she says to him, oh, you poor thing. Don't you realize you're a musk deer? The source of that smell is you. So the nature of what we are at our depth is, to use the Indian phraseology, ananda bliss beyond bliss, happiness beyond happiness. In the the vocabulary of the Gospels, the kingdom of heaven, which is where? Not up in the sky. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Now, does within you mean in your lungs or your spleen or your pancreas or the marrow of your bones? No, it means the nature of your awareness, the nature of your beingness. So that if we just withdraw within it, if we just allow ourselves to 
by taking some little meditative vehicle resting, not concentrating, just easily resting our attention in the heart center or on the breath or some other vehicle. We let this gravity, natural gravitation toward happiness take over, and we settle into that happiness which we kept seeking in outer circumstances and outer objects, mm. which can never satisfy that quest. Meditation instruction. It was described once to me as, notice the space between thoughts mm -hmm. and then start to rest in that space between thoughts. Mm -hmm. And Dean, I just <laughs> go crazy. There. Why do I go crazy right. with that instruction? Right, because it's not you, Justine. That's a bad instruction. And I'm sorry, I know you'll hear that from a lot of teachers that are plugged into traditions. I think it must be a bad translation from, you know, the Pali or Tibetan or something. Because what it does is it sets you up to work, to be vigilant. Looking, is this, is this the space now? Wait, okay, jump in now. Just as a general rule of thumb in meditation, if you're working, wrong. <laughs> if you're working, no, because, you know, people, they work hard at meditation, and then, surprise, it's hard work. So, what I would say is rest in the space within which thoughts come and go. <laughs> you know, Dean. For you're... those of you listening at home, Justine just settled into her chair. <laughs> I did. I did. You know, years ago, when I was first introduced to meditation, when I first met Michael, my partner of 41 years, and at the time I met him, I was a Jehovah's Witness of all things. And he took me to these Tibetan retreats, these weekend retreats with a teacher, Tarthang Tulku. And at the end of these retreats, you could talk to him individually, go down to this room, and he was in this deep meditation space. And you could ask him anything you wanted to ask him. And I went down there. And because I think I was sincere mm -hmm. is the only reason that this took place. It wasn't an intellectual thing, but... I was really wondering, it was so foreign to me, this whole thing of meditation and what we're trying to do. And there were these high Western achievers, you know, mm -hmm. well, did the blue light go counterclockwise or I went out into space or whatever? And I'm going, what the heck? Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I said, Rinpoche, I'm having trouble with all of this. I, I don't know. What is meditation? What's it all about? And he took my hands, and he, I guess the only thing that I can say about it is that he transmitted mm -hmm. what the Tibetans would call the nature of mind, or mm -hmm. that which you were describing, that mm -hmm. resting place. Mm -hmm. It was like this moment of, for lack of a better word, enlightenment, mm -hmm. this moment of mm -hmm. enlightenment and pure awareness. And I remember saying, oh, that's it. And then my mind just kicked right in and, mm -hmm. you know, and started to describe it and started. Right. But right. the moment was real. Yes. And I felt he was such a gift that he gave to me was this moment. He said, this is what it is. Right. Nothing more than this. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of my life has been climbing up the mountain of, <laughs> or, or getting down to the ground of that again. Right, right, right. And I have moments of it and flashes of it and right. things like that. But So what can you say about that? 
Yeah, this happens. You know, there are people, and it, we are so fortunate to live on this planet in a time when there are many people like this and where we have the internet and we're able to, you know, my main teacher, Sri Muji, who's a person like that? And I tell the story in the book of my first meeting with him. And I had an experience much like what you just described, where the first time I met him, it was on a retreat in Southern Italy. And I just sat with him. He took my hand and just time fell away, space fell away, any notions of who I thought I was, it all just fell away. And there was just this openness. There was this boundlessness. Now, it's very interesting what you describe as having happened next. You said, then my mind started trying to describe it and so forth. And I've seen this happen with other people with Muji, and they start to try to do commentary on it. And he says, no, mind will always want a piece of the action, right? The thinking mind wants to claim it. <laughs> and if you recognize that that's what's going on, it doesn't matter that those thoughts are there. Again, we're resting in the space within which the thoughts come and go as long as we don't A, try to resist them, or B, buy into them. Years ago, when my daughter was small, we took her and my son to Disneyland. And at the end of the evening, they have the electrical parade. And the main float came by with Mickey Mouse dancing. And my little two-year-old Tara started running toward him with her arms out. Mickey, I love Mickey. And we had to pull her back. So you don't do that. Don't jump on the float. Don't try to stop the floats because you'll get run over. Don't jump on the float either. Just let it go by and know it's just the floats going by. So we only have a moment here, but it's not a matter of having a blank mind, no thoughts at all. And, no. and that's not what we're going for. Right, right. That is a huge misconception. You can work for years at trying to make your mind blank, and that is a complete distraction. The ego creates that diversionary technique to divert us from what we already are right now, mm -hmm. that boundless beingness that is like the sky that has room for all kinds of weather. We don't have to blow away the clouds. Well, Dean, I want to thank you so much for being with us on the New Dimensions Cafe and giving us a flavor, a little taste of this, of what meditation can be. I've been speaking with Dean Slider, and he's the author of Natural Meditation, A Guide to Effortless Meditative Practice. And within the book, he has whole chapters of different kinds of meditation vehicles that you can use to get into this boundless awareness. So I highly recommend it. It's Natural Meditation, A Guide to Effortless Meditative Practice. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, naturalmeditationbook.com. If I could mention, because people sometimes tell me that they like my voice, and the book is also available as an audio book, and some people prefer that, particularly for the chapters where I'm walking you through the meditative practices. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. So do check it out that he also has it available in audio form. You can also get to his website through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please join us again. 
You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.